What's up, everyone? And welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy Show for Week 15. I'm Tara Roberts. It is the official mailbag show for Player Profiler, and we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Usually we do a hot topic from the previous week, although it was tough. I, I, I theoretically wanted to talk about the Ravens and the Rams because that was, was the, that was my clear favorite game of the week. But because it is the fantasy playoffs, I thought we would do things a little bit differently. We're going to focus on strategy and things to help you get ahead in the playoffs, thrive, and get a championship. And our questions are focused around that as well. We've got some good questions in this week. So this is going to be a fun show. This is good. I mean, and, and here's the thing as well. Um, I mean, even if you're not in the fantasy playoffs, at the very least, I know you're fighting to make sure that you are not in last place. So you're still at it. You're still trying. And you're still getting ready for next year as well. This is good. These are good strategies that are going to help us out in the long term. We also do have some questions, or we do have at least one question for next year as we start to kind of move forward and prep for the offseason. Um, and I will continue the show through the offseason. We'll be talking about all kinds of fun stuff, free agency, um, draft, obviously, incoming rookies, changes in teams, dynasty. Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be I, I've got some good stuff in store for you. So don't think because we're winding down the season that things are going to slow down and content's going to get less interesting. It's going to get more interesting. It's going to get more fun. I promise because I love the offseason. My favorite time of the football. I mean, I love in season. Obviously, it's super fun. But free agent prepping for free agency and planning for the potential um, potential chaos that there is is one of my favorite things to do. And this is a good like last year's free agency was like uh, a little lackluster. This year's free agency is going to be very very interesting because remember we've got all these running backs that are coming off of these one year deals. Oh man, it's going to be so much fun to talk about. Let me go ahead though and dive right in to our playoff prep, the playoff prep show for Dear Miss Fantasy. Um, starting off with strategy. Real quick, the things that we're kind of focusing on in this show is getting a week ahead of things, making sure that we are hoarding our handcuffs, you know, philosophically figuring out what we're doing in the fantasy playoffs, starting studs, uh, making sure that we're not panicking and benching guys because of matchups. Uh, we've also got a ton of injuries, a ton of injuries that, you know, have forced us into more heavy streaming options. So there's a lot to cover. Um, and, you know, a good example in terms of like starter sides and injuries and issues. Um, I got a question yesterday. Um, should I bench TJ Hawkinson? And I went through the list of tight ends that I could trust more than TJ Hawkinson. And the list started and ended with Travis Kelsey. I understand we are we're not looking forward to the quarterback situation ahead for Minnesota. Um, they've tried admirably since Kirk Cousins have went down, but you know, it's possible that we're in for Nick Mullins and then maybe he fails and we get Jaron Hall and then maybe they give Josh Dobbs a try again. Like there's, there's a thousand different things that could happen. There's no set quarterback. This is not, I don't think this is a situation like a Joe Flacco situation where Joe comes in, earns a spot, and we've got no controversy. Like, we're good to go. I don't think it's that situation. So um, 
I understand that it's terrifying having a tight end with a complete unknown at quarterback, but we are in the fantasy playoffs. And regardless of that situation, we are starting our studs. We're not going to bench um, TJ Hawkinson and try and stream something that's incredibly unreliable or matchup dependent. We just don't want to be doing that at this point. Um, and speaking of streaming, we'll, we'll go ahead and jump into the quarterback streamers here. Now, these are guys that are not, now this is, you know, we're, we're a Wednesday show. Now I have, um, I don't know, two, two leagues that run their waivers on Thursday. So for some of you, obviously this can help in terms of waiver wire content, um, and you figuring out who you're grabbing, but for the most part, people's waivers are running on Wednesday and, now you've already gone through and waivers have run and you're looking back and you're seeing what's left. Now, granted, there's probably a lot of stuff left. You would be surprised um, the amount of uh, solid players that are still decently low rostered and could be available in your league. So don't feel like this is um, don't feel like these are waiver recommendations. If these are guys that you have on your team, these are, you know, kind of recommendations to help you out in terms of navigating who to start, who you can rely on. And then if they're on waivers, absolutely. Um, I've got some recommendations in here for you. But um, we're going to start off with a nice core group here in terms of quarterback streamers. Matt Stafford, Joe Flacco, Jake Browning, and Gardner Minshew. And I, Matt Stafford at this point, let's be honest, he has earn the right to not be a streaming quarterback. Obviously, there were some inconsistencies throughout the season, and a lot of that had to deal with injured players and um, injuries to Stafford. But over the past three games, he has looked like a completely different player. The Rams have looked like a completely different team. Um, and we've seen – then the thing about this is that this is not like – and we'll get to you know Drake, Jake Browning in a second, but – Jake Browning's, you know, two two game hot streak right here. We know that that did indeed happen during good matchups. Matt Stafford and why he is such a priority here and why he is actually a top twelve quarterback. You know, potentially moving forward, definitely this week and um, moving forward rest of season, is because we have seen him perform at this excellent level in bad matchups, Cleveland and Baltimore. Over this time period, he has had. 10 touchdowns, only one interception, 23 fantasy, around 23 fantasy points per game. Uh, he's thriving. He's doing so well. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all of this is centered around the return of Kyron Williams. You got to remember um, Stafford got injured. There was a bye week. Kyron had been out and they all come back at a nice clean point here. And for the past three games, they just look like a really, really good team. Um, defense, obviously, still a little bit shaky, but um, competitive. At the same time, this offense is thriving, and it's starting to feel like it's starting to feel like we can trust Cooper Cup. We were feeling Puka Nakua; he's doing strong. Kyron Williams, I mean, just just fantastic in terms of the production and the way that you can rely on him as a workhorse back. Um, even Davis Allen stepping up. We'll talk about that one in a second in a tight end streamers. Davis Allen, my Clemson boy. I made sure I wore a nice um, 
a nice bright orange Clemson shirt for this if you're watching a video just for um for the sake of my of my Clemson alumni brethren. Um but I I think that Matt Stafford is the top option here. And there's some other guys that are higher roster that you could turn to like a Russell uh Russell Wilson and whatnot. Um I don't want to dip into the Baker Mayfield area I mean, it's not not the worst thing that you can do, but I think there are just different directions that you can go. And Matt Stafford is one of those guys that we are trusting. Um, moving on to kind of lower roster guys, uh, Jake Browning. I, there's so much skepticism around Jake Browning. I think it's for real. I think it's for real. Um, you know, he's he's inexperienced. He's a backup quarterback, and he's been in good matchups. But the first game that he started against Pittsburgh, I was encouraged by it. It wasn't fantastic from a fantasy perspective, but he looked competent. And that's the thing here that we, we've we got him um, being accurate, looking competent, making strong decisions. And it just makes things so much easier when your entire team is just incredibly reliable. Um, Jamar Chase obviously had, um, let's see, that's week 13 game was very, very strong and we were feeling very encouraged. And then in week 14, Browning had an excellent game. Jamar Chase did not. Um, a lot of that receiving production went to the running backs. But as a whole, when we look at this team, you got to realize what is really making Browning thrive. Aside from the fact that he does have talent, he's surrounded um, top to bottom by one of the best supporting casts in the entire league. You've got Jamar Chase. you got T. Higgins, who I know has been disappointing, but it's still T. Higgins. You've got Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver three. You've got excellent um, options. And is <laughs> I say excellent for Joe Mixon. I, I, sorry, I have this like one-sided like fade. Um, I was going to say one-sided beef. This kind of fade issue with Joe Mixon. But um, I've come around to it as the season has gone on. But um Joe Mixon, um, very reliable running back. And as a whole, it's just so much easier as a backup quarterback to come in and thrive when you're placed into such an ideal situation. Um, in this past game, Browning completed 18 of 24 attempts for 275 yards. That's impressive. That means that we can he he doesn't have to have high volume to see to succeed. It's different than like Joe Flacco, where we're seeing him out there, you know, pushing the ball aggressively, high volume. With Browning, we've got low volume here and we've got efficiency. I don't mind it at all. Um, a lot of times people say, you know, how 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 efficient can you be for how long? I think he can be efficient as long as he is surrounded by these players. So I'm trusting it. I think it's for real. In this week's matchup. This week's matchup is against Minnesota. That's the only issue here is that, again, he's had these layup matchups, and now he goes against Minnesota, and it's obviously a tougher situation. So when we're looking at um, streaming quarterbacks, he does fall behind, obviously falls behind Matt Stafford. And he does, for me, like just, just barely, barely, barely falls behind Joe Flacco on this one. Because I, I'm trusting it, and I'm rostering him, and I'm streaming him if I have to. But if I have the ability to someone go to someone that I can, that I a veteran that I've seen before, I prefer to do that. Uh, because when we're looking at Joe Flacco again, um, he's popped up as a very strong streaming option again because of that volume that he's had um, over the past two games as the Browns starter. He's thrown a total 
of 89 passes for over 500 yards, over 550 yards, five touchdowns, a couple interceptions. Like, this is not an anomaly. This is the exact same thing that we saw over in New York last year. He has transitioned into this high-volume quarterback, and it's very beneficial from a fantasy perspective. Um, but again, this is another issue of when I talked about this, um, multiple streaming options at quarterback this week and why we are sticking with our studs like Matt Stafford and we're not panicking. And you know, if you've got a starting quarterback in a bad matchup, um, you can't bail out of it right now because these streaming options have these bad matchups. Flacco's got Chicago this week. Chicago's defense has been on the rise. Uh, I think we talked about Chicago as a defensive trend last week. Um, again, they made the midseason trade for Montez Sweat, and since then their pass rush is just better as a whole. They're pulling things together better, and they're not a layup. Um, that they were earlier in the season. So when you're looking at Chicago, you're like, this is not a good defensive matchup. Um, so we, you know, do got to be cautious with Flacco. Um, but again, because of the volume and because again, he's also got a very strong supporting cast in um, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, um, the third and fourth receiver stepping up as well. And David Bell and Cedric Tillman and running back situation strong. We do, you know, worry about Jerome Ford, but hopefully everything's good to go. But you've got Kareem Hunt as well. You just think that they're going to continue to push this volume and make this playoff push. So Flacco is also an option. And then worst comes to worst, you can turn to um, Gardner Minshew. Minshew is my least favorite option because there's just, there's only a certain level of upside that he can have. He's not going to get, well, he, he has before um, when he go, got the random two rushing touchdown game. But for the most part, he's not going to get you into that 20 plus fantasy point range because he just doesn't have that next level gear and that ability to get there, but he's a nice safe option. He can get you in that 15 to 18 fantasy point range. He's not going to ruin your week. He's going to get you a little something because Michael Pittman is thriving. So you've all, you're at least you got that. Um, so you can turn to him because outside of that, man, things are looking slim at quarterbacks. So recommendation here is to grab you and stash you one of these quarterbacks if you can. You need to grab one of these streaming options and hold on to them because otherwise you're looking at saying, am I like, there's, we got brand new quarterbacks in Easton Stick and Nick Mullins. Um, then you're turning to risky streamers like Desmond Ritter. Like you saying, am I starting Will Levis? He's in a good matchup. It's just getting so rough out there. So you need to be, making sure that if you're streaming quarterbacks that you have um, one of these stable options that we talked about. Um, mailbag question here from Illini Parent. Hey, Tara, lost Herbert for the season. Oh, I feel that pain. Have golf on roster. Who is the best streaming option this week? I like Russell or Browning. Um, what would you do if it was your team? And I get this um, because obviously, you know, you've got golf, but it's a tough choice because Denver is a very good matchup. Now, I will say I don't have a major issue going with golf this week because it is in Detroit. It is in the Dome. And that is fantastic news for Jared Goff, 
even in a difficult matchup. That's kind of the key differentiating factor with him. So technically speaking, I would go with Goff, even though it's a difficult matchup, just because I am trusting him given the circumstances that um, it's at least at home and he can push high volume. That's what we tend to see from Jared Goff. But if you're a little bit hesitant about that, and I get that, between Russell Wilson and Jake Browning, it's Russ for sure. Again, we're talking about this matchup with Detroit and you know Browning versus Minnesota. More difficult matchup is against Minnesota. Detroit's defense has been lit up all season. Yes. <laughs> um, they started off okay. They started off okay. But, you know, the problem is, is that they're just, they're not holding it together very well, especially against the pass. They're still holding it together against the run, but against the pass, um, they're struggling. Uh, we saw it last week in Chicago. Uh, even Justin Fields was able to get off, you know, a couple big plays. And <sighs> I, I feel bad about it but you know we gotta attack it we gotta attack the defense here and this should be a more of a back and forth than you would think because you think Denver's defense is going to shut things down a little bit but I think when we look at the circumstances here that this might be a little higher scoring than anticipated and I think Russ can really exploit this matchup so between Russell Wilson and Jake Browning I definitely lean towards going with Russell Wilson um before we get to our next mailbag question. We are going to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them. Not so much until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, Hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer to peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be, and now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. All right. Jumping back into another mailbag question here around quarterbacks. Um, from Jeffro underscore 75. <laughs> Zero to ten on the reckless scale. I'm seriously contemplating... Um, Starting Zach Wilson next week versus Washington, if I am blessed to make it that far, over Tua versus the Cowboys. Depending on how Tua and Tyreek look versus the Jets, I have Brace and Garrett too. Chips all in with the Jets. Uh, congrats on having Chips all in on the Jets and making the playoffs. <laughs> I'm joking, kind of. Um, no, like <laughs> people don't understand how, you know, how much sometimes when you invest in these teams where they should have been um, better, like the situation in the in New York should have been better. And obviously things went sideways, but you make the best of it with Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. So I feel y'all on that one. Um, but when we're looking at this, um, and this is such a good point for the playoff preps, um, you're not just looking at this week. You're looking ahead to next week, championship week, and trying to get all your ducks in a row. And 
this is a really good point. And I don't think you're unhinged here um, in terms of your zero to 10 for reckless. You're like, oh, it's like a five. Um, I am well documented as being an anti-Tua in the playoffs person. And I'm sticking with my guns. Uh, we can't trust them. We can't trust them. And it started last week, honestly, um, where he just doesn't have the mobility. Like, I, you don't need a ton of mobility, but you need a little something. You need a little something. And he just doesn't have it, unfortunately. And so you get into these bad situations where teams figure out how to attack you. And while he's able to supply his um, receivers, now technically that didn't happen last week um, because Tyreek had the ankle issue, but he's able to supply his receivers with these, you know, high production games. We saw that last time with the Jets. Tua, we've already seen Tua versus the Jets one time. Tua was bad from a fantasy standpoint. He had a terrible fantasy game, like 10 fantasy points. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill had excellent games. He can give the ball to them. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the package. He doesn't have the fantasy package to put up a high amount of points unless it's an absolute wild shootout. That's the issue with Tua and why I am down on Tua in the playoffs because these matchups are just bad for his fantasy value. So yeah, um, Zach Wilson versus Washington next week. Or Tua versus the Cowboys. The only caveat here is the Cowboys defense has been a wee bit suspect. But yeah, depending on how Tua looks this week, I'm not opposed to it. I know that I say start your studs, but when it comes to Tua Tugavaloa, this is the one instance that I'm willing to vary against that. Now that said, um, I felt like Dak Wilson was going to have a very strong game last week. And I called it. And it happened um, because he has that kind of attitude. Um, it's not that he has that dog in him. He's got just enough dog in him to where if you disrespect him, he's cocky enough to come out and put out his best performance to show you that you were incorrect. And he did that. I don't know if it's going to last beyond this week. Potentially. Maybe he's really on a tear here and he's trying to you know, showcase how they made the, obviously the clear wrong decision. We talked about that and maybe he's able to pull it through. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a possibility that you could start Zach Wilson, but you know, we'll, we'll we're going to play it by ear, but I don't think you're wrong here. I don't think you're wrong here to plan a pivot um, potentially to Zach Wilson. And the reason why as well is because week 16 is also a weird one where we don't have a ton of ideal, um, matchup situations. There's not a ton of ideal matchup situations. Our streaming options are getting thinner. So yeah, you are looking ahead and making these plans and matchup based Zach Wilson is not the worst option. Moving on to running backs, we're going to talk handcuffs here for a little bit. Um, and there's two that I want to talk about Rico Dowdle and Chase Brown. These are two guys that you need to, um, if they're on waivers, you need to um, acquire them and put them on your fantasy roster. And if you have them, um, you need to be aware of the best way for you to use them. Right now, we are not trusting them as actual flex options. Um, they do offer standalone value. They've shown that. Um, Rico Dowdle has shown it. Um, I don't want to say consistently because it's been off and on every single game for the past five weeks. He's had 13 fantasy points, like, you know, I'm, I don't know the exact fantasy points, but it's been like, okay, he's got 13, five, nine, 
six, like 10, like it's bouncing back and forth between him being roughly around 10 fantasy points and then having one off game. So we're not truly trusting his standalone value here. Um, but we're trusting that he is a top tier option to have in the fantasy playoffs, because if something were to happen to Tony Pollard, um, Rico Dowdle goes into an immediate three down back role that's very similar to what Pollard had last year when Ezekiel Elliott went down. Because the key to the chapter, remember, is these guys don't, um, particularly with a guy like Dowdle, they're not going into a situation where it's like, okay, they're gonna, he's gonna go into Tony Pollard's production. No, he will go into an opportunity better than Tony than better than Tony Pollard because he doesn't have to deal with himself. He'll go into a three down back. He has the capabilities for that. Um, it's beautiful that we've seen him consistently used in the red zone at the goal line. They're trusting him at the goal line. So um, the he is a fantastic bench stash to literally give you league winning upside if something were to happen to Pollard. Now is the time where if you're in a league and let's say you were holding on to like a Jamison Williams, like saying, okay, I think you know Jamison could have this this huge upside at the end of the season, maybe have a breakout game. Do you really feel comfortable putting Jamison Williams into your starting lineup? If you don't feel comfortable doing that, I would opt to drop a guy like that in order to pick up a player like Rico Dowdle. Because while I'm not comfortable putting Rico Dowdle in my starting lineup, there is a scenario where Rico Dowdle can literally win my league. So those are the kind of moves we're making. Chase Brown has also pushed himself into that category. And I'm so excited about that. I cannot believe... Um, Oh man, I was so hopeful that this would have happened earlier in the season because I just was gung-ho in terms of all kind of, of stupid investment into Chase Brown, just dynasty dynasty shares across the board. Um, if if there was a pick in the first round that or in the fourth round that I had, um, you best believe I was coming out with Chase Brown. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And even in redraft, just drafting him as a late bench stash and just in best ball taking chances. So Super, super excited for Chase Brown and what he's showing. Um, maybe, maybe he gets the potential. Again, we're not, we're not trusting it yet, really, because uh, if he didn't get that one big touchdown pass, it would have looked similar to the previous week where it was like, you know, six, seven fantasy points. And that's fine. Um, you know, six, seven, eight fantasy points from a backup running back. We're, we're liking that. We like to see that. We're not putting it in our, into our starting lineup, but it makes us happy. But what we love here is that we're seeing him operate um, in the capacity that showcases that he's the direct handcuff and he would be a three down back. That's the key here. Um, so he's absolutely somewhat, again, like Rico Dado that we need to be stashing, holding, because if he were to fall into a starting position here, anything happened to Joe Mixon, again, league winning upside because of the volume that he would have, the pass catching. So it would be in goal line opportunities as well. So that's another one there. Um, and especially from a dynasty perspective, good Lord, him, Tony, these are all guys also from a dynasty perspective that you're, you're, you're taking, not even taking a chance on, right? Um, these are guys that you are holding. Um, we'll talk about it during the off season about whether these are trade candidates. Are you draw, are you, you know, dumping them and trying to get, um, good, um, good, uh, draft picks out of them, you know, decent draft picks out of them to make a little something happen. Are you flipping them? Are you holding and waiting and see? So these are all good off season topics that we'll have around these guys. Um, and then again, this isn't a handcuff here. I wanted to close this one out for running backs, but if a guy like Donta Foreman is on waivers in your league, because for some reason, and it is beyond me, people, 
don't want to let go of their preseason feelings that Khalil Herbert was the back to own here and was going to have the the league winning upside and you know that you know zero RB target that is gonna you know be fantastic for you. It's time to let go of any bias that you have towards there and accept that Don Deforman is the clear lead back. We've got enough evidence here um, you know, that he is the lead back. And he is, was, um, I haven't looked at the uh, updated roster percentages, but heading into the waiver wire ads, he was lower rostered than Khalil Herbert. Wild. I don't like Khalil Herbert was over 50% roster. This is a guy who hasn't seen more than 50% of snaps since week five. It's not happening with Khalil Herbert. Um, and I don't even think Khalil Herbert is honestly worthy of a handcuff here. If I like honestly speaking, if you were to say, would you rather roster Khalil Herbert or Rico Dowdle? I would tell you a thousand times over, I would rather roster Rico Dowdle. I know Rico Dowdle has upside if Tony Pollard were to go down. I know that. I can factually quantify that. At the same time, I've factually seen Khalil Herbert. No, there is no say, okay, I accept Onto Foreman is the lead back and Foreman goes down. Well, then that, that means that Khalil Herbert's going to be a high upside handcuff. We want to roster him. Absolutely not. Prior to the bye week, what did we see? We saw Roshan Johnson getting the massive, massive share of snaps. And Khalil Herbert barely getting any. So no, mm -mm. no. We want to roster Deonta Foreman. He is the lead back there. And let me tell you, we're getting ahead here because we do not like his matchup this week. We are not going to start him in this matchup. But good Lord, we are starting him next week. Arizona, absolutely. Make sure that he is rostered in your league. Don't have any bias that he's not somebody that you want to roster because of the um, combination of the committee and Justin, uh, Justin Fields and his running capabilities. No, no, we are rostering Don Foreman, and we are potentially going to start him with confidence next week. So get prepared, get ready, look ahead. Um, wide receivers are a little bit more tricky, obviously, because at this point, right? Wide receivers are wide receivers. If you haven't had that breakout, you you're probably not going to have it, but there are some guys that we could have some late value here from. And um, one of those guys is, um, and one of those guys is, um, oh, sorry about that. Got distracted there for one second here. One of those guys is uh, Michael Wilson. Another is Jonathan Mingo. And um, another is Wandale Robinson. Looking at um, looking at this uh, looking at this lineup of potential wide receiver options here. Sorry, I was sitting here and I got <laughs> I got a message related to the show, and then I was like, oh no, um, it was regarding um, regarding sponsor adding. Um, it's okay though. We'll we'll roll as is. Um, looking at these options here, it's tough to find wide receivers that really offer you good value late season, but Michael Wilson is one of those who we could potentially really truly turn to here. His He's technically already had his breakout game, and after that, we were hoping to see more, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Um, when we were looking at Michael Wilson, um, when was that breakout game of his? Do you remember? Do you remember when it was? It was week four against San Francisco. Seven targets, 76 yards, a touchdown. 
this is an ideal matchup for him. Maybe it's not an ideal matchup for other people, but for Michael Wilson, if he can play this week, this is very interesting. And I want to see this again. It was not with Kyler Murray at quarterback, but that's fine. We know that Michael Wilson, when he's healthy, is the wide receiver too in this offense. We know that. Um, and looking ahead here, I like this matchup against San Francisco. I don't like the matchup against Chicago. I love the matchup against Philadelphia. If we can see him come back, do well in this matchup against San Francisco and Chicago, I don't need to see a good matchup. I just need to see your continued target share. I can potentially flex you in week 17 against Philadelphia. I could do that in a deep link, 100%. Um, Jonathan Mingo again uh, is another one. I've, I'm... I have reached peak frustration with Jonathan Mingo, and it's not frustration with him. Um, it's frustration with Bryce Young. Obviously, the, the the Panthers have made a clear choice to move forward with Jonathan Mingo as the wide receiver one, um, theoretically, in terms of targeting over Adam Thielen. They're trying to, their season is over. They're trying to push and evaluate talent for next year. They need to understand is Jonathan Mingo capable of being that wide receiver one? He's led the team in targets for the past two weeks, a total of 19 targets. That's so that's such a healthy amount of targets. In week 13, he was six of 10 for 69 yards. Yay. In week 14, two of nine, 22 yards. Even that week 13, it was yay, but it's kind of like a yay kind of situation. I trust Mingo. I don't trust Bryce Young. That said, I am willing to hold him for the potential upside. Um, and keep him on my fantasy bench and, you know, acquire him if he's on waivers um, for the potential upside that he offers in terms of volume. He does have a week 17 matchup against Jacksonville that profiles very similarly to that week 13 game, which was against Tampa Bay, where he had a very good performance. Then Wandale Robinson. Um, it was really good to see Wandale step up this week. I do think he has the most upside of um, any of the Giants wide receivers. And I always have felt that way. If you follow my content, um, waiver wire content in general as well, you you know that Jalen Hyatt was kind of making it onto a lot of waiver wireless as he had that little breakout game before the Giants bye week. And you, if you follow mine in my top 10 list, um, in my top 10 list, maybe in deep leagues, I have recommended him once, but in top 10 list, you will notice that Jalen Hyatt is very absent um, from those lists for me. I just didn't buy it. I just didn't buy it. Wandale is the one to own there. Um, we've got two weeks where he has had a strong snap count back to back. Um, strong game, strong targets, good yardage. He looks fantastic. So Wandale is the one that if you're trusting <laughs> the epic story of Tommy DeVito. I should have made Tommy DeVito our um, our flagship topic for the day. How did I miss that? Oh, that's right, because I'm a Packers fan and it hurt my heart for the Packers to lose. But Man, that Tommy DeVito story is fantastic. I'm obsessed with it. Obsessed. Oh, <laughs> the agent on the sidelines, the everything is just so, oh, it's so perfect. Um, now let's move on to tight end streaming options here. We'll pick up the pace a little. There are two guys here, Tucker Craft. Um, and Tucker Craft is a guy that I prefer to someone like uh, like a Kate Otten in terms of streaming options because Kate Otten's, you know, Production has been a little bit more volatile. Tucker Craft has been a little bit more steady, maybe lacking the upside a little bit, but in terms of what I'm expecting out of a tight end, in terms of what I want from a tight end, I'm okay with streaming Tucker Craft. Davis Allen is another one that you need to look out for. We talked about Matt Stafford and the hot streak that he's on. That's, that's the key here. Matt Stafford is on a hot streak. 
Um, Davis Allen, if Tyler Higby is out, um, it's a very streamable option, a very streamable option in an excellent matchup against Washington this week. Um, I apologize to my Clemson brethren, Davis Allen. I'm sorry. Like he's the receiving profile is fine. My problem was, is that it's not that I didn't believe in him. I just, you're looking at a team with Cooper Cup, Pukunuku, and Kyron Williams. What what target share that I really think that he Davis Allen was going to warrant in, in that pecking order. But surprisingly, um, he stepped up. And that was very impressive. A very interesting kind of look in Dynasty as well. He does have a strong receiving profile. He was, you know, not a ton of volume at Clemson, but key situational um, receptions. Good hands. So very intriguing. Um, moving on to defenses here real quick. Um, defenses, you need to get ahead. You'd have to get ahead um, because week 16 is not a good streaming week for defenses. And we got a mailbag question here. Um, and this is like literally perfect for this concept um, from Phobos four, six, or 456 um, on a bye week in week 15. What defense and kicker should I pick up and stream for week 16 and 17? Any other players on waiver wires that I can pick up now in stash? Denver, Denver, Denver. I'm surprised Denver is so low rostered. I think the problem with Denver is, is that they keep, they have these bad matchups and people think like, I don't want to start Denver against such and such team. Cause that's a high powered offense. Um, and so maybe that's affecting the roster percentages, but Denver has been a very fine, um, a very fine option this week. They've produced, they've had bad matchups. Um, and week 16, they got new England. Don't let one good Bailey Zappi performance fool you. That's a bad team. It's a bad team. I love Denver in that matchup. Potentially, I would grab them right now for sure. I would grab them right now for sure. And then after that, they get the Chargers, which obviously, good matchup against Season Stick, more than likely. So, um, so I mean, yes, more than likely. Unless they, I, I think they stick with Stick for the stick with Stick. <laughs> Keep things going with Stick. God, that's weird. Um they keep things going with stick for a remainder of the season and don't, they're not in playoff contention um, unless he goes on some kind of miraculous run here. There's no reason for them to say, I got to go out and get a veteran. Now just you're through, just wrap it up. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's an awesome, another, another good matchup as well. So I would grab Denver for sure. And if you can't grab Denver, Seattle is very streamable against Tennessee. I know that, um, I know that, uh, what was it? Uh, Will Levis had a strong performance this past week. Um, and that's good. That's good from him from a fantasy perspective. He's still turned the ball over. That's the key right there is he is turning the ball over um, every single game. Since he's taken over as a starter outside of that first like big miraculous game to start, the only team that he hasn't turned the ball over against is Carolina. Um, and they literally have the fewest turnovers in the NFL. So literally any other time he's turning the ball over every single game. Miami um, looked terrible, right? Against Tennessee, defense still put up over 10 fantasy points. Like, it's a good matchup. It's a good matchup. We can go with that. Oh, man. Moving on to some more start sick questions here. Um, we have got, let's see, let's see. We have got a question from GFS Reg. 
one, two, four, two, two, nine. We've got a series of questions here because uh, we got a ton of good start sit questions and three of them came from this mailbag person. So appreciate that. I have included all three of them in the show. Um, first one is A-Chan versus Rice. Um, this is good. This was a good question. Um, A-Chan is in a good matchup against the Jets um, in terms of the best way attacking them being on the ground. Um, the only problem here with A-Chan is that Obviously, and we didn't see him against the Jets in the last matchup. We only saw Mostert, and Mostert had a fantastic game. So the good news is, is that we know it's a good matchup for the Miami running backs. The bad news is, is that we don't know how much volume Achan's going to get. Uh, Rasheed Rice against New England is a wee bit risky. I like him, but New England's defense is not the ideal matchup nine times out of ten. I lean towards taking the upside risk, given that we're in the playoffs, with Achan. Uh, the next question is Dalton Schultz or Logan Thomas. If Logan, uh, if Dalton Schultz is healthy, we are starting a healthy Dalton Schultz. And then the uh, third question is Waddle or Metcalf. This is such a good question. Such a good question because there's multiple layers to it, right? So we're talking about, okay, Waddle against the Jets. Okay, we already saw that game again. He had um, eight receptions on eight targets. Fantastic game. He was great. Tyreek was great. Tua was trash. Uh, I'm sorry. Tua was not trash. That was mean. Um, Tua was a below average fantasy quarterback. Um, but this is not a bad matchup for Waddle, theoretically. Then we look at Metcalf. <sighs> Potentially without Geno Smith. Or maybe Geno Smith, if he even comes back, just kind of on limited capacity, playing through an injury, not good. But this is an excellent matchup against Philadelphia. I don't really care who's at quarterback. If you could give me Drew Locke at quarterback in this matchup, I will ride with DK Metcalf against Philadelphia because I have been targeting Philadelphia's secondary all season long. And Lord help me, it has not failed. <laughs> it has not failed. Oh my God. And DFS, if you want to make some money, man, just, just target Philadelphia's secondary. It is the most fail safe. It is the most fail safe strategy ever. Like just plug in whatever you can stack it. Like I had some ridiculous showdown stack in the D and the, um, the uh, Cowboys Philadelphia um, game where I did um, Dak and the only, the only Philadelphia option that I had was, was Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and I came in like third in the, in the showdown um, contest that I was in. <laughs> You're just, you are just heavy stacking any and every team that is played against Philadelphia with the exception of the running back. <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys I'm so like I'm perennially coughing but it's just it's funny I'm sorry it really is like you never fade anybody that's facing Philadelphia you go hard on the quarterback and the pass catchers against Philadelphia just go hard it is a fail safe plan <laughs> win your fantasy league make you some money in Diva, DFS fail safe <laughs> moving on to the next question from um Duke Lawn uh Duke Lawndale Dynasty League question, who should I keep in 2024? Bijan or Travis Etienne? Hashtag, there's always next season. I love that. I should not have made myself laugh so much on that last question. I'm so sorry for laughing at Philadelphia's secondary. And now my um, and now my karma for that is just that I'm just going to cough during the remaining like five minutes of the show. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have any water here. I only have coffee. That was dumb. Um, all right. <laughs> Back to the question. 
who should I keep in 2024, Bijan or Travis Etienne? It, I will take the chance on uh, keeping Bijan over Travis Etienne. Um, <laughs> just ruined the end of the show laughing at Philadelphia. Thank you, Philly. Um, I truly think that we see Bijan emerge next year. I think we're on the cusp of it. And as much as we just can't stand Arthur Smith, and I say we, but it's mainly me. I just like d- d- despise Arthur Smith with every you know ounce of being. Um, and I do think he'll have a job next year. I don't think that they're going to fire him. Arthur Blank loves Arthur Smith. Uh, that said, I do think that we're going to see Bijan emerge and um, potentially spicy take here because Travis Etienne is RB3 overall in the season. I'm a wee bit worried that he's a massive regression candidate. Um, the touchdowns are what aggressively carried him. And we've seen what is happening with Travis Etienne in these matchups that are bad matchups, um, tough matchups, and he can't get those touchdowns. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for him. Um, and it's not, it's, it's not a knock on Travis Etienne. I'm not knocking Travis Etienne or anything. Um, he's just not that CMC or JT level, right. That can overcome difficult matchups, you know, pure volume. And it's not going to matter. He's just not there yet. And I don't know. I don't know if he can get there. So while I'm completely fine with Travis Etienne, I do think he's a potential regression candidate and I want to lean into B. John Robinson next year. Um, one more question here. From Revan JJ, dear Miss Fantasy, please heal Keenan Allen. Thank you. Diggs and Allen were making me great most of the season. Second miss practice for Allen. I have Puka and can slide him in, then go three RBs instead of three wide receivers. Seriously, though, any news around Allen and his second miss practice? And this is the terrible thing about this time of year. We're not going to get news of <laughs> any kind of definitive. Well, no, here's the good thing. Um, we'll have, um, we're obviously, we're, we're getting some definitive news here uh, because it is a Thursday night game. That said, um, let's prep for Keenan Allen um, starting, right? So we're prepping for Keenan Allen starting. It's about the confidence level that we have in him starting when he's obviously dealing with an injury in a bad quarterback situation um, versus are we trusting that we can trust him? It's not a start issue, right? It's a, do we trust him to play at full capacity and do we trust him to make it through the game or do we pivot to someone else? Because we love Puka. We love Puka's matchup here. Uh, I still think that even though we've got the terrible quarterback situation, I still think that we lean into Keenan Allen. We roll with Keenan Allen. This is a start your studs kind of situation. And again, we've seen Keenan Allen um, multiple times this year where he's been dealing with these injuries, not practicing, limited, and he plays, and there's no physical issue with him. It's literally just a matter of <clears> – <throat> the quarterback situation. So uh, injury and playing through that is not concerning me here. It's the quarterback situation. I would still roll with Keenan Allen and obviously you're, you're flexing Puka. So you're, you know, put, moving him into the flex, obviously, and you're pushing out one of those running backs. All right. That wraps things up. Those were good mailbag questions. This was a good show. And I, I'm looking forward to more of our off-season content. We're getting going to be getting a lot of those dynasty questions. We're going to be getting trade questions here, keeper questions. Like, oh, we're going to be getting good stuff here. So I'm excited for what is to come in the off-season. Um, make sure, again, that you are um, following Player Profiler. 
on uh, YouTube, nice and subscribe so that you can get all, all of those fantastic shows. Cause it's not just me. I'm one little piece. There's like, so much good content out there. Um, and obviously there's still start sit shows, dynasty shows. There's, I just watched the, um, FFPC, um, show that was done like yesterday it was yesterday yeah yesterday watch that so there's just good content across the board for every single thing that you need so make sure that you're tuned in uh, but that wraps things up for our show again if you have any questions you can always tag me on twitter at it's Terra time i-t-s-t-e-r-a-t-i-m-e and i will respond and if you're listening to the podcast version, make sure that you are subscribed. That would be amazing. And if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure that you like the video and drop me a comment. Um, make sure you're subscribed to Player Profiler as well again. And that wraps things up. Uh, good luck with your fantasy lineups. I hope you win. And I will catch you again here next week.